Hello, everyone. Welcome again to the Persuasion Lab podcast. I'm your host, Moe Damin. And the, uh, if you're in sales or if persuasion or the element or art or skills of persuasion is critical to the uh, success of your career and what mission or vision you wish to achieve, then this is the podcast or the show for you. The goal of this show is to give you the, the best tools, strategies, and even mindset around how you can become an incredible persuader and to move people around you. As Bill Clinton says, nothing big enough can be done on its own. And essentially you need to be able to communicate to someone why this is important, why it's going to be important for the other person and why they should join you on that journey. So today, um, my guest is someone who actually shares my perspective and thoughts around what is broken with sales and why sales actually should be a force for good rather than an unethical profession, which unfortunately still lingers around. He is the founder and CEO of Sales Made Easy, where he helps SMEs, particularly in the financial industry, although it's not restricted to that, uh, he helps them understand the fundamentals of great selling practices. Kevin is a serial entrepreneur with over 27 years of sales and commercial experience in the financial industry having worked in companies like Barclay Card, First Data Corporation, and Fidelity Payment. So please help me welcome Kevin Haler. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hey, Moed. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Really excited about this. Really excited about it. Yeah, me too as well. And I, I, I anticipate that this is going to be quite a, an uncomfortable discussion for a few of our <laughs> viewers. Uh, there are things here that unfortunately may not wish to hear, but actually they should, they should hear it. So why don't we start with a big question, Kevin? Sure. In your opinion, uh, well, what is your opinion about the state of the sales profession right now? Ah, uh, it frustrates me. It really frustrates me. I think sales is getting harder and harder nowadays. I think consumer behavior has shifted enormously, particularly over the last two years. In fact, there's a LinkedIn report out um, only last week talking about the shift in behavior. The consumers now buy an awful lot more online. Um, I think their expectations uh, have changed and are, are higher. And yet, when somebody engages with a salesperson, when they want advice and guidance, I still think there's an awful lot of salespeople out there, sadly, who live in the dark ages and sell the old way, putting pressure on, not giving good guidance. And it frustrates me because I think there's also a lot of other people out there that have the potential to do well, but we're just not seeing it come through. I mean, let me throw this back at you. When was the last time you experienced uh, a good salesperson as a consumer when you're, in, you know, you're trying to buy something and actually somebody really looks after you? Can you remember the last time that happened to you, Moed? I can, but it's very rare. Yeah. Very rare indeed. Yeah. I, I, I can't. And that's sad. In fact, actually, no, I'll probably go back a few years. So John Lewis's, you know, uh, the retail store, obviously in the UK, their service has always been good for me. Why? Because I'm not sold to. Because they help me. I trust them. Their advice is good. And guess what? They make it really easy for me to buy from them. And that to me is the key to sales. But so rare. Um, I've had other people phone me um, from call centers. I've had other people come to the house to try and sell me stuff. And they, they don't care about me. They just want to talk and talk and talk. So I, I, I find the state of sales frustrating out there at the moment. Sorry, long answer to a short question. 
Oh, it's a great answer to the question, actually, Kevin. So um, there are a few things in there that you mentioned that I've heard from the hundreds of buyers that I've taken time to speak with and actually interview around that. And, and we'll come on to that in a moment. Mm. Uh, one question I would like to ask you is, we all kind of intuit, not even intuitively, we all know how buyers feel about our sales approach, right? There's a, enough information out there. You mentioned LinkedIn. Link, LinkedIn also did a state of sales in 2020. Mm. You know, they're not the only ones. So we kind of all know, why do you feel we still do it? <laughs> That's a heck of a good question. Um, what's the phrase? If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. I think it's one thing reading something. It's, it's one thing hearing something as a salesperson or even as a business owner. We work with both. But then to actually join up the dots and realize that you're doing something wrong or you need to do something different is one part of it. You know, a lot of people don't actually have that awareness. Then it's like, well, I do want to change, maybe. And I do want to adapt. Where do I go? Where do I get that help? Who can help me do this? Because people, unless you have the uh, inclination to go and read a book, listen to podcasts, watch YouTube, I mean, let's, let's be honest, there's a, a, a huge amount of resource out there at the moment. But where do you go? Where do you get the right advice? Where do you get the right guidance? How do you change your behavior? Uh, and I think that's a big challenge for a lot of people, particularly salespeople that work within the SME community or SME business owners. Uh, we're all busy, you know, and, 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 and where do you go to get this guidance to change? Because um, I think change, as we said before, is needed. How should we change? Right. So, you know, what you, you've you've talked about some of the some of the things that some of the people in John Lewis have made you feel and how they made you feel. Uh, but you're not restricting this to just B2C, right? This is B2B as well. Oh, right? 100% B2B, B2C. Yeah. I don't, okay, some of the nuances might shift, but actually sales is sales, whether it's a, a, a major corporate sale, much longer sales cycle, short transactional, B2B, B2C, sorry for all the jargon, but I don't think the actual fundamentals change a great deal between those different types of sales. So let's just right, call it okay. sales per se. Yeah, okay. What do you think they should be doing, right? What are the things we should be... As sales professionals, we should be focusing on when it, come, when it comes to that. Stop selling. Okay. What do you mean by that? People hate being sold to. Think of yourself when you walk into a shop, you, 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 you're pounced on by the shop assistant sometimes. And what's the first thing you do? They say, can I help you? What's the first thing you do? No, just browsing. As individuals, as human beings, we don't like to be sold to. If somebody, though, however, helps me, guides me, and then even at times challenges me, I'm much, much more receptive. And the simple, simple answer is, is make it easy for the consumer to buy. And that's what I mean by don't sell. Don't force it on them. Don't push it on them. Turn it around. Guide them, educate them, understand them, and help make it easy for them to buy from you. And that's what John Lewis's do well. And other businesses do do well. Don't get me wrong. I'm not just saying everybody's rubbish at this. They're not. But I think there has to be a shift in attitude and shift in culture. Um, in, 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 and it really is to stop the pushy sales, to stop the pressurized sales, to stop trying to talk somebody into doing something. Because the moment you try and do that, guess what? Once that conversation's over and the consumer walks away, be it B to B, B to C, they, they, they might regret their decision. And they, even if they don't cancel the order, what's the chance of them getting a second order, buying again? Very, very little. It's about making it easy for the consumer, for the business to buy from you. That, that's my absolute 
fundamental belief in, in, in how sales should be. I'd love to go into an example, um, you know, of a past experience that, that may have impressed you. And if there isn't one, you know, we'll kind of go into examples. But be before I go into that, I do want to ask this. A lot of the times, I'm trying to be as fair as possible to sales professionals. Mm. It's not always the salesperson's fault. A lot of time it's the environment around them that manifests in the form of you know, KPIs, metrics, essentially what the managers are, ask, are kind of pushing on them to do. And let's be honest, the other unfortunate circumstances, a lot of those managers aren't really ready to be managers either. <laughs> How do you feel that they play within this? Because it's very hard as sales professionals to try and push back against that and try and do it your own way even though it may seem right, it just isn't understood by the rest of the organization. So what, what should managers and leaders do more? Uh, you're, you're raising a really, really good point here. Salespeople that do have a manager, yes, of course, it's the manager or the business owner, the leader that's going to create the culture for that individual, for that, that team of salespeople. In sales, you've or you're always going to have a target. You're always going to be assessed on, on, on numbers, on performance, on getting the sale over the line. So there's naturally going to be a, a, a pressure upon you to hit the numbers, which means then you're going to be under pressure to probably start selling an awful lot more. The culture comes from the manager. The culture comes from the leader. You know, it's very hard for a salesperson to say, I'm not going to sell. I need to make it easy for people to buy if the manager doesn't believe in the same, same attitude. So if you are a salesperson and you've got a manager, then that's going to be slightly difficult, but you can still do it because your customers over time will be a lot more receptive to your style. It then becomes activity-based. So as long as you do the activity and make the number of calls, have the right numbers of conversations and approach them the right way, the customers will come. The customers will come. It, it, as a salesperson, you've somehow got to find the strength to... Um, to not fall for the pressure tactics sometimes, to be confident that actually know your numbers. That If you know you've got to make 20 outbound calls today or 30 outbound calls today, and that's going to result in three or four appointments, and you know that's going to result in a sale because you know your conversion ratios, it's based on, on, on activity and get the activity done. Mm -hmm. Even if the manager's pushing you to make the sales, that's fine. You, you, you have, you're hitting your numbers. You've got your metrics going on there. Still stay true to yourself and don't bow to the pressure, however hard that is. Except that's not easy sometimes I, I think the the training the coaching the culture has to come from the managers and the leaders and um yeah it's yes that's where it starts i'm glad you mentioned it that way because to be clear you're not saying that you shouldn't be driving towards results no you're not you're not saying that you shouldn't be doing the activity you know you shouldn't have intense activity in order to an effort in order to get there you're talking about more approach and attitude in the moment of the conversations as opposed to just taking a laid back approach to sales. And there you go, my you, you, you've yeah. summarized it much better than I did. Absolutely right. Yeah, spot on. A, a, a successful salesperson, it has to do the activity. It's all about activity, activity, activity. That's how you build your pipelines. That's how you'll, you'll bring the results. If, if you make one outbound call per day or one appointment with a potential client or prospect every day, you're putting yourself under massive pressure to have to close that deal, which means you're going to revert into sales mode. You're going to put the pressure on that person because you're under pressure. You need that deal to happen. That's where it doesn't work. However, as a salesperson, if you wake up on a Monday morning, you're excited about going to work, aren't you? Of course, he says with a wry smile on his face. If you've already got 
let's say 10 to 15 appointments in your diary, be it virtual face-to-face or over the phone that week, already in your diary. And you look at that thinking, okay, there's seven or eight first appointments and seven or eight second appointments. I can see, I know that the relation, the calls I've got coming up are good. I've already got three, four, five deals lined up for this week. How much pressure do you think you're going to put on people? How would you feel as an individual? You're going to feel a lot calmer, a lot more relaxed because you can, you've got the pipeline there. You've got the prospects there. You know, by just pure law of averages, you're going to close some of those deals. It starts with activity. When I say stop selling, let them buy, that's not to say let's take it easy and just have a nice conversation with people. No, that in itself is a, is a, is, is a highly skilled way of engaging with people. But you've got to put the numbers around it, of course. You know, you've got to work hard. Um, what's the old cliche? Was it, was it uh, Lee Torino, one of the, or Gary Player, one of the, the, the older golfers? He, he, he talked about hard work and he said, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? People call me lucky. It's strange, the luckier I get, the harder I work, the luckier I get. It's the same principle here. You know, deals will come because you're doing the activity, you're doing the right things, you're having the right conversations, the numbers come off the back of that. And is that one of the ways that you suggest salespeople can push back on the manager is to basically show that kind of level of activity because i can see how that conversation may not still help because a manager may see that level of activity not see the speed at which deals should be coming in Mm. and they might feel that they should get into the moment of those conversations and almost kind of micromanage and guide in a different way how that salesperson should so I guess I don't think we're going to be able to answer this question because it's a very big one, mm. but, but at least we can ask the right questions first to start helping people to explore this. But how should, what other ways should salespeople start to push back on managers and leaders? That's, that's difficult. That's very, very difficult. I think it depends where the salesperson is, doesn't it? If they are doing the activity, it, it, let me go back to the activity. They have to do the numbers first and foremost. If they're doing the activity, they're working hard, they're making the calls, they're booking the appointments. Any manager worth their salt will see that the person is working hard and you can't fault that. Then it comes down to conversion, doesn't it? And that's what we're talking about here. You know, the effectiveness of the call, um, of the first call, second call, third call, which one, whichever one it is, is the effectiveness of that call. And that's what I'm talking about here. And the speed of the deal sometimes as well. Yeah, that, that's determined by the industry as well. Yeah. Um, but certainly, it, 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 it's, it's the, the momentum a salesperson will, will have. It's, yes, you're right. If, if you're having one appointment now and then pushing it back another two months for the second appointment, then you're losing all momentum and it's a waste of time. It's, as a salesperson, if you're doing that activity, the manager should recognize that. If you're a new salesperson, they should absolutely coach you and give you the time to get the quality of the call to then improve the conversions that go with it. Even an experienced salesperson, you should be converting those calls. If you're not, you should be asking the manager for help. If the manager then can't help you, then that's a difficult situation. And that comes down to whether you then as an individual go out and and try and find additional help through coaching, through, through training courses or whatever, or if you have the confidence is to push back on the manager and ask for it from that manager, because if you're doing all that you know how to do and the results aren't coming, that may not be your fault. You know, you just don't know what you don't know. And you're entitled and quite right to actually push back and ask for help in terms of coaching and training at that time. I would be disappointed if any manager reacted badly to that kind of request. But I accept that there are managers out there that maybe don't know how 
to answer that request. And that's that's a whole different conversation, I guess, around the manager. For the individual salesperson, then it might be down to you if you wish to stay with that manager and stay with that company. I'm not suggesting you jump ship straight away. You may need to go out on your own and find your own training to help you. Sorry, Moby, that felt like a very long answer to the question. Did I, did no, I answer no, the question no, for you? Okay. No, you did. That was insightful because um, you're right. I mean, it depends on depends on each industry, each business, and, and the dynamics of the business, mm. and also the dynamics of the buyers that you're engaged with. Yeah. Um, but I thought I thought there was some really sensible guidance there where, you know, explain to them how hard you're working and they can see that hopefully, and then almost explain to them, you know, what you need in order to advance those deals in the right way. Yeah. Where buyers are enjoying the experience rather than feeling as if they're pressured and therefore not enjoying the experience. And you know, you either ask the manager for that support or you go externally, but at least that gives you an idea of ultimately if you're working with the right people, right? It doesn't mean, you should, as you say, jump ship, but it does inform you of whether you are in the right environment or not. So, so I, I thought that was very sensible. And like I said, I wasn't expecting we're going to right the wrongs on something like this, but, <laughs> but, but, but what we can do is start asking those questions. I, I think um, anybody listening, sorry to cut in, Moeed, I think anybody no, no. listening to this, I think as a salesperson, it's like, find your confidence, guys. If you need help, go find it. If your manager can't help you, go external. Find the help you need. Don't, don't sit there and wait to be spoon-fed because this is the real world. This is a tough world nowadays. That doesn't happen unless you've got a very, very good manager. I think it's down to the salespeople. We are all supposed to be confident, certainly on the outside anyway. Go seek the help. Go find it. It is all out there. Yeah. Find the courage. Agreed. Agreed. Find the courage. It, Go and do it. There's really no excuse for being able to find information or at least help out there right now. There's a, there's enough of that. Yeah, that that was really insightful, Kevin. I'm really interested to delve a little bit more about the buying experience. And you've obviously had interaction with a lot of sellers, whether you are training those salespeople or whether you're buying from salespeople for your own business, personal circumstances, whatever it might be. I would really like to share with our viewers and listeners what that experience should feel like right and look like because i i, I to give you an idea when i you know what i'm a fractional chief revenue officer for a client for example i'm coaching other companies other salespeople and the leaders and one of the questions they ask me is um how do i understand more about the buying experience and what it looks like and then i say to them go out and be a buyer right actually take a sales call get into a sales call, experience what the good, the bad and ugly looks like, experience yeah. that as a buyer, because then you will experience what it's like for your buyers. So I, I just want to kind of spin that to you, which is, can you, can you think of an example and experience where a salesperson kind of really impressed you? You know, what did they do to earn your trust in business? You know, what were the things that you, like, even if it's just two or three things, mm. what did they do? You're talking about me as, as, uh, as the purchaser. Either as a purchaser or, I mean, it could be as a trainer where you've observed salespeople, but actually, you know, if, it, if it's as a purchaser, that would be even better. But let, let me give you two, if that's okay. One is a, as, as, a, as a purchaser and one is a trainer and the training one happened actually just yesterday. So it was really, really topical. But as a purchaser um, outside John Lewis's, <laughs> I always say that every time I go in there, the, the experience is, is fantastic. The last time for me was when I bought, the last time that I can remember properly was when I bought um, bought a car. Uh, it was Mercedes. I, I bought a, um, for me, it was a four by four at the time and wasn't planning on it. 
I, I was shopping around, went into the dealership, and and there it was. This this beast of a car is the only way I can explain it. And I literally just fell for it. And it's like, oh wow, that's what I want. It was white. It had the big twenty inch alloy wheels, and it was like, but I like nice cars, by the way. And it was just like everything I dreamed of. And you know, I, I was almost like starstruck as I as I, as I walked up to it and started to look around. And 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 the guy at the dealership just just came over to me and just smiled. And, and just said along the lines, gorgeous, isn't it? And, and I, yeah, he could see the reaction. He just opened the door and said, just grab a seat. All he did was just gently talk to me and play back to me my enthusiasm. And then just gradually started to talk a little bit about the car. Uh, asked about me, asked about what I was looking for. I could see the excitement and just went with that. Just went with that. And just, just uh, this is going to sound there's not much detail here. It's just more of a feeling. And that's a key part here because people buy on emotion and then rationalize it later. He went with how I was feeling. He went with how I was. And gradually he, he, he knew I'd bought the car before he even taught numbers because I was sat in there and he just showed me everything he could do. And just, he, he didn't talk a great deal. He just asked gentle questions about this and just showed me what it could do. And just let me enjoy the experience of sat in that cockpit and looking around that car. And then when we sat down, obviously made me coffee and just started to talk um, about the numbers side of things and where I was and what I'd want to achieve, how to get to that. And he made the deal happen. He then got the finances the way I needed to get them. I don't know if that's a great experience or not, but he, sorry, for me it was, but whether it's a great example for you, I don't know. But he, he this is not a cheap purchase, but he just made the whole thing easy for me back to what I said he made it really easy for me to buy a very expensive car from him that's not trying to be arrogant it was just like yeah I, I gulped to the numbers but I just so wanted it now if he just come in and just sold to me and give me all the technical spec or anything like that he would have gradually pushed me away didn't need that he recognized where I was and just went with me on this one I don't know if that made sense to you but um the other example it was training yesterday. We were running a, a virtual um, training course, uh, coaching session, really, I guess, um, for a group of, of engineers. Now, this is interesting. They, 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 it's a firm of loss adjusters based in the city of London, but a global presence. So we were training eight engineers on how to engage with people and how to get better at business development. And we've done it for the last year with, with different cohorts within this client. And some of the results have been fantastic. Uh, and there's one guy in particular and he said yeah the way they work he said we go out we do a lot of business development we start the conversation we ask a couple of questions and we talk an awful lot about who we are and what we do okay and over the the weeks we've nurtured him and worked with him and tried to get him to ask more questions because to me it's all about building trust building relationship understanding the nature of the business and then challenging a little bit but a lot about asking questions and he said yeah well we do that sometimes and but you know, we know a lot of the people, so we, we know what the issues are. I said, okay. So I just challenged him and said, yeah, you know, do they? What do you mean? Said, do they know what issues, problems they have? Of course they do. Said, no. Help them understand it. Really start to probe what's the impact on them, what's the impact on them business-wise and personally of certain issues, pain points they've got. Help them. Get them to articulate it. Because when you do, they'll realize it themselves. And they then come on the journey with you. So he took it on board and fair play to him. He, he tried it and he came into the session yesterday and said, I can't believe what happened. 
He said, we know the guy, but I started following what you said. We started probing and asking more questions and we couldn't believe what then came out of the meeting, what he talked about and then moving forward together in, 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 in business. But he said it was brilliant. He said, even though we know him, we found out so much more about how we can help him. It just became so much simpler thereafter and we are helping him. Again, I felt like I've done a lot of talking there, but there's two examples of me as a consumer, but also as a trainer of, of really starting to get to know the customer, building the trust and just understanding where they're really at. I'm not selling, you're helping, you're guiding. Does that make sense, Maureen? It, it, it does to me. And I would encourage all viewers and listeners, um, rewind and listen and watch that again, because there was a huge amount that you actually shared there. You know, the ones that stuck out at me, you know, I've, I've had the privilege of interviewing, gosh, now we're at 423 buyers, yeah. B2B buyers. Uh, every one of them, when we dug into why they bought from one person or the company they represent, all of them used either or both of these words, trust and honesty. Mm. And you've used that a few times. But what really stuck out to me actually there was, I then realized from your description of as being the purchaser, when you initially said, make it easy for me to buy, I thought process, but actually you were talking about my feelings mm. and making it easy for me to feel that this is a, that I'm not winning necessarily, but feel good about the purchasing experience. Yeah. And by, even though it was a big chunk of money, you're, when you said ease of, ease of ease of buying, you're talking about the feeling here. And, and feeling is a very tough one for a lot of salespeople because they still resist the fact that how we feel determines our actions, how we feel determines our focus and our experience. And you described this person as, the first thing you said was smiling, which is very interesting because he made you feel comfortable. Yeah, totally. He didn't make you feel as if you're going to be sold to. Um, so I would encourage anyone watching this or listening to this to rewind there because I thought there was a wealth of information that you just shared there. Thank you, Murray. I, to me, it, it, it's all about feeling. It's about empathy. It's about emotion. It's about feelings, the whole thing. Um, as I said before, we buy, most of the time we buy on emotion and then rationalize it, you know, justify it to ourselves and, 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 and to others. Um, it is about feeling. We did an exercise on, on the buying cycle with another group um, last week. You know, there's a process we all go through when we're buying and, you know, what, how and why do people buy? And actually, as we went through with the group of, of eight on, on the training course, they explained, oh, yeah, the exercise very simply is list the last five things you bought. We pick one and there's a variety of different things from, from, from petrol to coffee to a house to a car. I mean, it's a whole myriad of different things. And we go through why. You know, what was the trigger? Why did you want to buy? How did you choose what to buy, where from? And what was the decision-making process, the assessment that went behind all of that? Amazingly, emotion comes through on pretty, everyone, every, pretty much every one of them. Eight or nine times out of 10, price is not the driver. It's a part of the process, of course, and value for money. It's not price, emotion. It, it comes through all the time. So if you, if you it, for people in sales, if your customer feels good about you and you're making life easy for them, you'll do fine. You'll succeed. Keep it as simple yeah. as that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I completely agree. And even from a neuroscientific perspective, that, that happens to be the case. So, mm. uh, 
when you talk about someone moving towards a goal, there are four kind of mechanisms or centers where that occurs. It starts with the amygdala. So already there's emotion involved. Then the basal ganglia, go or no go. And then the, 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 the occipital, occipital and, um, and frontal cortex is where actually the last point, the occipital is actually where it says, how will I feel now? How do I, how, how do I feel now? And how will I feel emotionally once I achieve that goal? Yeah. So actually, the way we even measure whether this is a good experience or good progress is based upon feeling and emotion, not, unfortunately, ROI, which is too narrow. Uh, not saying ROI is not important. It is. But that's that's not the main measure. It's a logical measure, but there's also the emotional measure. And, and there's a, it, 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 it's, there's, the evidence is out there. You know, mm -hmm. Gartner even did research around that. So it's very insightful what you just shared. And, and I really hope that they kind of, Everyone watching and listening to this kind of rewinds and, and listens to that again. We did talk about um, the, the leadership of businesses. I want to come back to that, if you don't mind, Kevin, because sure. um, you work with a lot of founders and CEOs. How yes. do they view yep. sales? How, how, how do, do they, they view, view sales? sales? <laughs> and, and more importantly, what does great sales look like? Because I, I have my own experiences. I'm really interested in what, you, what your experiences have been. <laughs> I think that's two quite different questions there, actually. How do they view sales across a lot of SME businesses and, and you know SME could be anywhere from sort of you know 100,000 kind of turner up to sort of a turnover up to about 10 15 million that's my kind of definition of SME they all want sales they all need sales let's be honest a business isn't selling it's not earning any money so it's kind of fundamental sales always gets pushed to the back for some reason um in terms of people in terms of training in my experience business owners they'll spend a lot of money on bringing a salesperson in and then don't invest in them just get on with it please you're a salesperson just just go and sell um sales management again a number i've worked with have employed sales managers who've not been very good and they spent a lot of money on these sales managers it it feels to me anyway you're using the word feeling again um when it comes to business owners, they all need to sell, they all need salespeople, but a lot of them struggle on what kind of salesperson to bring in, how to manage them, and how to get the best out of them. And there's a lot of frustration around sales from business owners, because a business owner who's built their own business is the best salesperson in that business. They talk with passion, they talk with clarity, they talk with knowledge. They, they then judge the salespeople coming in and get frustrated when that salesperson isn't as good as the business owner, because that salesperson will never be as good as the business owner. So I see a lot of frustration there. Um, I think a lot of sales business owners don't invest enough in sales training and sales management. Maybe they've wasted money on the wrong salespeople in the past. I don't know. But I think there's a lack of investment that goes into um, helping the salespeople and sales managers across the SME community. Um, I think also a lot of business owners don't like sales. And that sounds ironic, doesn't it? This sounds weird, doesn't it? When, when they've got to sell, I think they're scared of being seen as a salesperson. They don't want to push the sales because they don't want to be too pushy or seen as being too pushy or too salesy, if you like. So I think there's quite a, quite a uh, almost a juxtaposition in, in, in these businesses whereby they've got to sell, but they don't want to sell. They've got to employ salespeople, but they don't particularly like them or don't know what to do with them. So I think there's quite a challenge out there for a number of sales, of sales companies or SME businesses. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Have you observed 
any information that gives an idea of whether this particular CEO or founder would fit into that category or not? Is it, does it tend to be people from a technical or engineering background? I don't wish to, I don't wish to label anyone in that way, but it's, it's, I'm just trying to get to the root of understanding, you know, what is it about their journey or life experience that has made them view sales in that way? Do you find that to be more people that come from a technical background or engineering background, or is it something else? No, I, 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 I don't. I mean, we've worked with a, a number of different types of clients across different industries um, over the last couple of years. And I know in the introduction, you said from a, a, a payments background, of course, we do a lot in payments because that's been my, my background. But, but we, we are much broader than that. We work with SMEs across all different sectors now. No, it depends on the business owners. Some, you know, worked with a client last, last year in, in plumbing supplies and, and they really embraced the process they knew they needed to, to to just enhance the process and i think the the, the forward thinking business owners start to recognize that sales actually they need to systemize it need to, to, to build process around all of this to give framework for people to follow they're the smart ones it's like yeah you get it you you, you build systems and processes across your business but forget about sales sales also is a system is, is a process this process is to follow to make it effective uh, and efficient there so they're the good ones Others, there's client, and I don't want to go into too much detail. There's a client I worked with last year. They, we started to look at their sales people and started to work with their sales people, but the owners got very defensive when we went back and said, actually, they're not doing great here, or they could improve here. We can help here, and they got quite defensive over some of the changes and recommendations we were saying. And I think they took it personally that almost like they'd failed here and they should have known this. And we're saying, no, you're not. You're a business owner. You're not expected to know absolutely everything. You know, and you don't have the time to get involved in everything. I, I guess it comes back to personality. The, the 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 SME business owner, if they're open to to change and to improvement, then changes and improvements can be made. If they're not open to it, then they're not open to it, and the changes won't be made. Um, I feel like I got off track there. <laughs> no, sure no, that made any sense, Marie, but no, 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 it's making complete sense. And and there was something you said earlier that really intrigued me because I spoke with a. a a very, very good salesperson within my network. And, and he, he works for, you know, he, he helps, he sells like to partners, et cetera, these kind of massive, massive machineries. They could be agricultural machineries, diggers, things like that. Um, and he's facing a similar situation where the leaders don't feel that sales requires training. They don't feel that they should be investing in that. But you hinted earlier that he said, I, I, I don't know why that's the case. Maybe it's because they've invested in training before and it hasn't worked out. But I've come across businesses and, and founders where they haven't tried any form of training of sales. They mm -hmm. haven't actually even thought about how, and it doesn't have to be training. There are other forms of investments or approaches in order to improve sales. But why do you think those that haven't had those bad experiences, at least in this company, we can never know all their experiences, but why do you feel they don't, they don't think that sales requires improvement, training, progression, et cetera, but yet they're willing to invest in other areas. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a great question. And I'm not sure I know the answer, frankly. Um, is it because sales is, oh, just go, just go and chat to them. You've got the gift of the gap, you, you know, go and form a relationship and, and you'll do the deal. It, that kind of mentality. Maybe they, they don't recognize sales as a skill. You know, how, how many times have you heard um, salespeople say, or people say, oh, I didn't know what else to do, so I started selling. It's like the default, if I can't do anything else, I'll go into sales. That's not sales. 
sales done properly is a very skillful job, career. Um, you've got to work on yourself. It's about all the stuff we talked about previously. It's building relationships, building trust, empathy, challenging, becoming an expert in your arena. That's just a, the tip of the iceberg. Maybe people don't understand that. Um, I, I honestly don't know. Honestly, don't know. Yeah, it, it, maybe it is. They just don't understand that actually it's, it's quite a skilled role. And to do sales well nowadays, it does involve coaching, training, learning. It's about people getting on well with people and engaging with people. That's actually quite hard for a lot of people. It is a, it is a, a tough question. Like I said, we're not here to always find the answers, but we're here mm -hmm. to ask the right question. I personally feel it is a, a perception of skill. Or, or the fact that it isn't a skillful profession. Hopefully, hopefully in the not too distant future, we'll have a situation where sales is being taught in MBA and university programs to the same level that marketing is, for example, because you can market as much as you want, but if there isn't a mechanism to turn that marketing effort into sales, then what's really the point? In fact, when I did the marketing course uh, and the CIM qualification, one of the main elements that they said is marketing is there to drive sales. So why isn't that being taught? So I, I suspect it's actually because of that. It's not considered a skillful profession that requires constant training, constant evolution. Can I just pick up on something you just said there, Moe? It was really interesting. I've got a big yeah. smile on my face when, when you said it. Um, a bit of blatant self-promotion here, just for a second, if that's, if that's allowed no on worries. this. But what, what you've just said about a, a university course in sales, with my team, you know, we're building sales made easy. We're, we've got the online sales community now launching um, on the 1st of April with all our coaching and training that goes with it and, and a lot more, by the way. But with the team about three to four months ago, we had an offsite two day strategy meeting. We have them every quarter as we work out what our sprints are, how we're going to develop the business and, and, and products and everything. And we had that exact conversation. You know, our, our, BHAG, our big, hairy, audacious goal is to change the world's perception of sales. And actually, and, you know, it makes the career of being a salesperson a career your parents would be proud of. Well, you've just hit the nail on the head. And we had the same conversation. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could actually build a sales university or a sales degree course or something along those lines and professionalize this industry completely where people can actually get properly qualified in it? Um, so I am 100% on board with you about getting to that because I... And this is where we are trying to change the perception of sales worldwide. Sales is a skill. There's a lot to it. People need to understand that. Business owners need to understand it. Salespeople need to understand it. To get really good at this, there's an awful lot of psychology that sits within it and frameworks and processes and everything else. They can't be taught in five minutes. You know, you go to university to do a marketing degree. How long are you there for? Three years, at a guess. You know, it's the same with sales. And, and one day, whether it's us or somebody else, it will happen. Yeah. I, I, and by the way, I, you know, just my thoughts here, it doesn't have to be a degree in its own standing just yet, but at least it should be a few modules or critical elements of, say, a business degree yeah. or an MBA, right? I mean, we talk about everything else, and yet we don't talk about sales, right? And Peter Drucker talked the purpose of a business is to create customers. Well, how are you going to create customers if you don't have a sales engine? Right. So, so, you know, I think those, you know, people who are budding entrepreneurs, you know, trying to learn more about business and going to university, there's got to be a couple of modules in there around sales, at least for them to understand <laughs> what that should look like. Right. Totally. Um, so, no, I, I, I agree with you there. Um, 
this has been a really fascinating conversation. I've I've learned a lot. I've had things confirmed for me. I've also had some of my thoughts challenged as well, which is great. And I hope that's been the case for our viewers and listeners. A couple of questions I, I like to ask every every one of our guests on the show. Yep. So number one, which three books or experts would you recommend that our listeners buy or follow? I'm going to give you, okay. First one is um, Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's been around for many, many years. It's sold in the millions. It's a book I read and then I listened to on audio as well many years ago, but it fundamentally changed how I approached everything. Um, begin with the end in mind. You know, it, 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 there's so much in there that actually it teaches you sales by just reading that book. It's not a sales book as such, but you can live your life following those seven habits. Uh, and I absolutely swear by it. The second one, You'll notice, by the way, my first two books aren't sales books, which I do smile at. Um, the second one is Donald Miller, Building the Story Brand. Now, he's a, um, a, a scriptwriter and a marketeer, American, very much involved in the movies. But what he talks about from a marketing perspective, but it resonates so well with sales as well, is, is how to tell a story, how to take um, your prospect, your customer, on a journey with you and he talked about the formulaic formulaic way in which movies are written there's seven steps basically in a movie you know all about good and bad and 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 the problem they've got and and the way he puts it together is easy to follow and makes absolute sense to me and so we've taken some of that and and it very much mirrors our own sales framework that we talk about and so we've we've we certainly follow his process within sales made easy uh, and i would recommend to any salesperson to go and read that book. Not that, forget the marketing angle of it, but it talks about the clarity of your message. It talks about removing the noise, simple words, and it talks about making it easy for people to buy from you. You know, three steps to make it easy. Don't overcomplicate. People don't want long words. People don't need long words. People can't follow long words. If they've got to burn too many calories listening to you, guess what? Mm -hmm. They stop listening. Yep. You know, why use a long word? because we've all been taught that we have to use long word because it makes us sound intelligent. Rubbish. It makes you sound obnoxious. The majority of people won't understand it. Use simple words, simple language that people can hear and listen to really, really well. So that's my second book, Donald Miller. As you can see, I'm quite passionate about that. Now, experts, right. I'm going to, do I proclaim to be an expert? No, I, 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 I claim to be experienced in sales and in business. But I'm going to, and blatant self-promotion here, I'm going to apologize in advance, but I'm going to say the third experts people should listen to in terms of sales is us. That sounds arrogant, doesn't it? I don't mean it to, but we are sales made easy and we are trying to change the world's perception of sales. We, we are building a sales community where we want to help salespeople. We want to help salespeople do sales properly, make it easy for their customers to buy from them. And, and that's why I know it's probably not what you wanted to hear, but blatant self-promotion, the third um, people to party to go and listen to, to learn from is us. Am I allowed that? Yeah, well, you, you've done it now, so it's too late. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 that's perfectly fine. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, can, I can resonate with the first one for sure that you mentioned, uh, Stephen Covey's book. I think it's like 8 million copies sold now or something. Ridiculous. I, I like lose that. track of how many, um, but yeah, it's in the millions. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, Donald Miller. I've, I've, I haven't read it, but I've heard it all over the place. You know, the seven mm -hmm. types of stories, I think. And um, and what's interesting is, you know, I help people with presentations, for example. But one of the main 
reasons why people engage with a presenter, whether it's online or virtual, you know, or whether it's in a massive audience, is storytelling, right? And and we're kind of we're kind of almost wired to accept stories because it helps us make it more relative, and more importantly, it helps us form helps us form images in our mind, and that's how we see things in our mind. You know, we process images sixty thousand times faster than words. Yeah. So. Um, you know, not, not surprising at all. And I'm very pleased that you shared the Donald Miller book, actually. Um, so what, um, how can viewers and listeners learn more about you and get in touch, particularly as you mentioned the third one, which is, which is yourselves. How can, how can they, <laughs> I feel very guilty about, about doing you? that one now, actually. I feel very no, bad about doing that. But um, listen, we, we'd love to, to engage with people, um, me personally, through my profile on LinkedIn, but the business in particular, obviously, very simply, go and find us at, um, at salesmadeeasy.sale online. Um, the website shows how we help people. It shows how we help salespeople, how we can help business owners connect with me connect with the business we'd love to chat love to chat and just just show you how we think we can help you sell more things to more people that's that's what we're here for great no and we will leave uh, we will leave that link in the uh, in the show notes for everyone to get access to so uh kevin this has been a, a very very good discussion today and uh as i said i've learned some things i've also had some things challenged some things confirmed i'm sure that our viewers and listeners have gone through that same experiential journey as well. So thank you for coming on to the show and for generously sharing your perspective and, uh, and guidance to, to all our viewers and listeners. Uh, you're, you're welcome, Moe, and thank you for the opportunity. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It's been great fun talking to you. Let's do it again. Yeah, absolutely. It's our pleasure. And uh, if anyone would like to get in contact with Kevin, as I said, we'll, we'll leave the uh, link to the show notes below. And if everyone, if anyone found what my perspective might be interesting and would like to learn a little bit more around the science around sales and the psychology and how that kind of links with sales and what are the things that you shouldn't do versus versus should, do feel free to contact me and share your perspective. Well, again, we'll leave no, uh, links in the uh, show notes below. But from myself, Moe Damon today, thank you, Kevin. Thank you, everyone else. We'll see you on the next episode.